This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that speaks to us. We pray that you would speak through your word afresh by the power of your spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, on this All Saints Day, we remember, celebrate, and reflect on the lives of all the saints. And this feast day reminds us that as followers of Christ, we are counted among the saints. We are part of something more than our families, more than this particular church family at Ascension. We are part of a vast assembly of Christians of every tribe, race, and nation across the globe. We are part of something even bigger than that. We are part of the community of saints, which encompasses all who have gone before and have died in the faith. And when I consider just how big the capital, I can't draw it, uh, anyway, the cap- big, how big the capital C church is, it is very humbling to just be in our little corner of southwestern Pennsylvania here in Pittsburgh. Two weeks ago, a, a videographer who works for the wider Anglican church was visiting Ascension. He and his wife were paying a surprise visit to their daughter. And uh, anyway, after the service, he asked me if he could do a quick interview with me on the lawn about what's happening at Ascension. And then it was going to be put out to the Anglican kind of world. Um, And I had the joy of sharing uh, with him a little bit about one of those who's going to be baptized this morning. And with Chin's permission, I'm delighted to share with you the video that was made a couple of weeks ago. As for so many, COVID uh, has been such a challenging time for us. Um, But the encouraging thing has been the level of engagement by our parishioners in uh, reaching out to our community, but also in being able to gather people here. We're doing as much as we can outside. We're wearing masks, of course, like everybody else is. But we're seeing new people come, people coming to Pittsburgh looking for work or for study. And I'm doing a Zoom call this two days time, welcoming new people. We've welcomed, I think, 27 new members, and we've had more than 40 new people come. And so God is very much alive and well, and people are hungry for the gospel. One of our programs that has been uh, taking off uh, of late over the last several years has been an outreach to internationals. And we have people from about 25 different countries who are in Pittsburgh for work or study, and they want to learn English. And it's been great to welcome them to our church and help them learn English. And then for those that want to, we invite folks to come to uh, Bible studies and learn about Jesus. And that's been even more exciting. And uh, I wanted to share a very specific uh, story about one of our internationals who's here in Pittsburgh and been coming with his wife and now their baby. And uh, his wife had become a Christian and uh, this other gentleman from China was very much on the edge. He loved Ascension, he loved the people, but he just couldn't uh, bring himself all the way to, to becoming a Christian. And yet I had a delightful meeting with him just last week. Um, and he told me this, he had three things that had helped shape why he was where he is today. 
one of them was actually an objection. He couldn't get his head around, how can Jesus be the only way? And he was wrestling with this and asking about this. And finally, he said to me, you know, I've come to the place where I just don't know the answer to that. But I think from everything I've seen of the church, I want to belong, I want to be a Christian, and maybe God will give me understanding later. And I said to him, you remind me of um, St. Augustine. He said something very similar. I believe in order that I may understand, not I understand in order that I may believe. And in a Bible study, he read those words from Acts where it talked about the early disciples sharing everything in common and caring for one another. And he said, well, that's what I discovered here at the church. And that's where we find the real hope. And then thirdly, his son is going to be baptized. And he said to me, I don't want my son to be baptized and not have his father also be a Christian to bring him up in the faith. And so in two weeks time on the Feast of All Saints, I look forward to baptizing this man from China. Well, thank you, Chin, uh, who is here this morning, uh, for it's really your testimony that I was able to share. And we do indeed look forward to baptizing you and little Peter later. We are part of a global fellowship of Anglicans and a much bigger fellowship of other Christians. And I think in a season and at a time when we can get stuck on our present woes, I'm so grateful for God's abundant provision and that we are part of a community of faith that extends beyond ascension and knows no regional barriers. How easily we can become consumed by the events of our personal lives or other things that are going on, the election on Tuesday, our deepest fears and longings, and so much more besides. I, I, it's been quite a week. I, I, I said to someone just a few minutes ago, I said, well, as far as I know, there isn't an asteroid about to hit, um, so we, we should be okay. It's just been extraordinary. And today it is good to take a deep breath and remember that the backdrop for our worship, the context of our very lives, is not primarily our fears, our questions, our weaknesses, our achievements, our strengths. It's not the stability or fragility of family, church, nation, or economy, but rather it is the vast, eternal, grace-filled kingdom of God. And our God is a missional God who cares about people, who calls people to himself, and his invitation is wide, so, so wide. He calls people like you and me. He calls people who may be very different from us. And as we think about all the saints, and as today we remember loved ones who have died, we are also welcoming new members into the church through baptism. Today we have five baptisms, four infants and one Adult. Baptism is such a powerful picture of God's grace. We bring to God those seeking baptism, not because of their goodness or their saintliness or their understanding, 
Infants and adults alike are presented in recognition that they bring nothing of themselves that merits God's love and forgiveness. Nothing. That's pretty obvious with infants, of course. What do they know? What do they bring? What do they offer other than a fair amount of cuteness? I mean, they sleep and they eat and they need to be cared for every waking moment. But even for adults who come for baptism, they are welcomed into Christ's church first and foremost, above all else, on the basis of God's grace. The undeserved, unmerited love of God. In what will be a brief look today at the Gospel reading, we see how God extends his grace and love and mercy to us long before we offer anything to him. Matthew chapter 5 contains the most famous sermon of all time. Jesus preaching to his disciples and the crowds are listening in the Sermon on the Mount. It is simple, shocking, challenging, and profound. In today's context, thinking about all saints, we might look at these Beatitudes as descriptions of those who are blessed by God, of what a true Christian looks like, of what is a saint. And what we discover is that Jesus blesses broken people, the poor, those who mourn, the meek, the hungry and the thirsty. It's all about God's grace, what he has done and who he is. The saints are not therefore first and foremost those who have great faith or have done great things. Rather, they are those who experience their need for and feel the absence of his spirit, joy, power, and righteousness. Jesus comes to us first, not with demands and rules, but blessings. Indeed, our current sermon series is all about God's great provision. And today we see his provision through his grace and his mercy. And here in the Sermon on the Mount, we see God shower blessings upon us in our poverty, in our grief, in our powerlessness. His grace precedes our response. Biblical scholar and commentator Frederick Dale Bruner suggests we might better think of this rather than the Sermon on the Mount, as the Sermon from the Valley. It starts low. It starts where most of us live, if we're honest. Jesus' words are to those who are poor, broken, desperate. Jesus is making an announcement to his disciples about what's happening. The kingdom of God is coming near. These are gospel words. Gospel means good news. These are words of good news. These are words of hope and of life. Follow me, Jesus says, because in me you will see how, how things really are. You will see that God is doing a new thing. Jesus turns upside down the advice and the ways of the world. And so in these words of Jesus, we find no political promises of wealth or prosperity, no pop spirituality that says God helps those who help themselves. Instead, we find mercy and help in the face of reality, 
in the face of how things really are, in the face of empty political promises, in the face of disillusionment, despair, failure, and heartache. So even in the face of illness, of loss, of death, Jesus comes to us and promises us peace and joy. Not just for the future when we die, but for now, for today. These words of Jesus are words of life and hope. They're about each and every one of us here being able to know and experience God's presence in times of tears, anguish, despair. So I want to take, and it will be brief, a quick look at some of these characteristics of a saint. First, poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. This poverty is the bankruptcy of our own ability to become saints by trying harder, by pushing through, by trusting in ourselves. As saints, we are among those who acknowledge their own poverty of spirit. We claim not a self-righteousness, a goodness of our own, but a righteousness and a goodness that comes only from God, by his grace and by his mercy. Second, a mark of a saint, tears. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there are many here this morning who have shed many tears. You have cried over loved ones who are far from God. You have cried in the face of sickness and death. You have cried as you have been confronted by your own or another's sin, selfishness, rebellion. Well, hear the good news this morning that Jesus offers to you who mourn and weep. You will be comforted. Third, meekness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. In a world obsessed with power and influence, this third beatitude speaks to those who do not boast or claim to be anything other than meek, those who recognize their powerlessness. And so the true saints are gentle. They are not aggressive. Fourth, hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. How easily we hunger and thirst for things that will never fill, things that will never satisfy. The true saint hungers and thirsts to be more like Jesus. Do you know, I heard, a, um, I think it was in The Economist, I can't remember, I've read so much, too much this week, about our elections, and it said, the only hope for America is if X candidate wins. And I thought to myself, what, abs yeah, we're in deep trouble if that's true. That's rubbish. The only hope for America is not who wins on Tuesday or whenever we find out. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in God. Amen? Amen. And the true saint hungers and thirsts and longs for justice and righteousness. A justice and a righteousness that only comes from God. As those who are poor, broken, weak, and hungry, 
Those who are recipients of God's unmerited, gracious, bountiful provision and blessing. Our response is demonstrated in the next few verses. Saints respond in this way. They are merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And elsewhere in the scriptures, God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Bruner writes, the first test of obedience to Jesus' ethic is not whether obedience makes one morally tougher, but whether it also makes one morally softer. The merciful help other people and extend mercy to other people. Saints are also pure in heart, and they are peacemakers. What then can we expect if our lives look like the lives of the saints as described by Jesus in his sermon? Is it thanks? Is it success? Is it, is it accolades? No. It's rejection. And I know that's a terrible political slogan. But let's face it, this is what Jesus is preaching about. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. And the rejection that Jesus is speaking of is not rejection for when we are being annoying or selfish or judgmental, but about rejection that comes because of our commitment first, foremost, above all else, above all others, to God. May we never, ever become so addicted to the pleasures and promises and positions of this world that we aren't prepared to lose wealth or happiness or health or status for the love of Jesus and for the sake of Jesus. True saints are those who are willing to be rejected for the sake of our Christian faith, for our integrity, and for our defense of the defenseless. True saints, then, know poverty, tears, meekness, hunger, and rejection, even as they respond to God's mercy for them by showing mercy to others and being peacemakers in the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this All Saints Day. Thank you for all who put their trust in you, that all those are gathered into your church throughout the world and throughout time and for all eternity. Help us in these days in the midst of uncertainty, to receive your blessings, even in our poverty, brokenness, and weakness, in our longings for justice and for righteousness. Empower us by your Holy Spirit to be saints who serve others in mercy. Cleanse us that we may have pure hearts and show us where you would have us be peacemakers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.